This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next. Rick, we talked to truly a Chicago radio legend. In the 90s, there may have not been anybody bigger than Kevin Matthews. I'm not a monkey. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we pop the champagne as it's our 100th show and almost two-year anniversary with plenty of back-slapping congratulations and total BS. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me, Lou Costable, and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, for this very special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. So our guest this week, we're very excited to have him because he's one of the uh, best broadcasters to ever pick up a microphone in Chicago. He's a legend. Kevin Matthews was the breakout star of the first radio station I worked for in Chicago, the Loop AM 1000. He was sandwiched between Radio Hall of Famers Johnny B. in the morning and Steve Dahl and Gary Meyer in the afternoon. And during my days as Stephen Gary's producer, and even before that when I was just working in their manager's office, I worked closely with Kev. In fact, he's the one that tagged me with the nickname Rick the German Boy. And it's great to talk to him again. Please welcome to the show... Kevin Matthews. Kevin, how are you? Rick, Rick, Gunta. Und Eigenhaben und Wagen. So, Kev, first things first. I, you know, you once told me this great story about your introduction to radio. <clears throat> excuse me. Where uh, your college station, and it sounded like complete mayhem. Would you mind telling that story? Not at all. It was... Honestly, I know you hear people say that my it was it was a college radio station, Little Tenwater. I went to Grand Valley University in Allendale, Michigan. Um, I got there. It's 1976. So America is celebrating the bicentennial and fire hydrants are painted to look like little Minutemen. And uh, meanwhile, in Allendale at the university, there are students who are getting high on marijuana laced with paraquat, and they're all they're all entering the emergency room. And I I I, I volunteered to just I, I stumbled upon the radio station. I was going to go into education, and I stumbled upon the radio station, and I, I it just looked interesting and. I filled out a little application, and one night, somebody called me and said, hey, listen, our program director, Will, is in the hospital. He OD'd on acid, and he smoked marijuana laced with Paraquat. Back then, the Nixon administration sprayed all these Mexican marijuana fields with Paraquat, which is very toxic, to kill the plant, but they would still bundle it and sell it. So Will is fighting for his life. And I go down to the radio station. And it's like, hey, screw Will. Here's my chance. <laughs> I will, I will die a in an airship. <laughs> and, and so I did. I, I, I had no idea how to work the turntables, the equipment. I knew here's how to open a mic. And I winged the turntables. I had to gather all these uh, albums and I started just digging. I, he was doing a jazz show. So I thought, okay, I'm going to keep the genre for a little bit jazz. And I remember pulling out like a Miles Davis album and the rest is history. Uh, Will eventually graduated, although I wonder if he's in a body bag or a grave now. <laughs> and, uh, but the radio station itself was the most eclectic experience I've ever witnessed to this day. It even was more bizarre than the loop. The, the professor that was in charge of all the students 
he too would drop acid and he made computers he made synthesizers because synthesizers were giving birth in that era of synthesizers so everything sounding like emerson like palmer right this guy though he was a professor he would drop acid and he'd do shows for two days and have the synthesizers going through the transmitter and eventually I got a full-time job there. Eventually, I moved and hosted the morning show. And eventually, because of me and the guys in charge at the time, really came out and became big radio personalities. We lost the radio station. I got up one morning. And you got to remember, there was no, nobody had cell phones. So everybody on campus they had clock radios and they would tune them to the radio station and they would get up with you. You woke them up. You were responsible for getting them up in, in class. And one morning I woke up and I was really late and I just put a record on and I turned on the turntable, turned on the transmitter. And it's like, you know, this whoosh. And I back sold like I was on the air I said, hey, you know, you were listening to Fleetwood Mac and Santana and Matt, and hey, I hope you joined us last hour because it was da-da-da-da-da. I just lied to them and made it sound like their end didn't wake them up. But I also, one morning, I I said, I I just said, hey, uh, there's no class today because uh, the president, Aaron Lubbers, his body was found dismembered and all over the campus so the entire campus is a crime scene no one is to get out of their rooms or just every it's in lockdown well the the radio the the staff the the teachers the professor you know they hated us by now and so they just called the fcc the fcc took the license away and it became a beauty salon and it, it, it i so i helped ruin that was my first radio job, and I'm proud of it. And then I came to Chicago, and hey, I told you that would, that story would not disappoint. <laughs> no, it was it was it was. But you know what? That's where I learned there were no rules, and that's where I learned to kill ugly radio. And I learned so much about music. You know, while everybody was listening to disco me and others at that radio station we're getting british imports so i'm listening i i I, we we debuted the sex pistols wow you know on on a british import we got it at least four months before america did and i remember i was playing never mind the bullocks on a turntable a student came in ripped it off smashed it and just took the tone arm and bent it and swore and whatever and i said we got to order another one (laughs) we're doing something right so i mean i learned right then to love music and and to and break music and we did yeah you broke it in more ways than one literally yeah but it, it just it it that's how come i think i was so at home when i got to chicago and on the loop and i'm surrounded with you know steve doll and you know what he did at comiskey park and yeah and shut that down and and johnny we hated authority and so i felt right at home that is funny yeah it was definitely a bunch of rebels that's for sure yeah and you know what and so was management yeah jimmy DeCastro yeah. and larry Wirt. they were as demonic as we were no question well, I think that they'd have to be, right? <laughs> Did yeah, you turn they, them that they, way or the they, other way yes, around? It, was they, they were really young, and it's like us. Let's take chances. You know, and it was, it was. they got the Chicago Bulls. And that new kid that was in town from North Carolina, Michael Jordan. Yeah, right. It was He's the not going to do anything. Storm. Yeah, it, it, was it was something hard. Right. Yeah. You know what I, what I also love? I, I, I was a huge fan. I was in sales, and I would make my stops. You know, when I was in sales to make sure that I was listening to your, you know, when, when you're on the air. So you basically cost me income, by the way, Kevin, probably. Uh, okay. You know, but uh, you know what I also remember is palling around with Rick and I, you know, during that time, we'd go to all your comedy jams. And right. it's even, it's hard to even describe to people 
how huge those shows were and some of the great comedians they had. You had Jerry Seinfeld and Ellen DeGeneres and yeah, had and they're rock all stars on. I mean, know. talk to us. And the crowds were just gigantic at these things. Talk to us yeah, a little the, bit about the comedy jams. Well, one thing I, I, you know, I was doing radio and then when I was in Michigan doing radio, uh, a comedy club opened and I went and I did it. I did stand up and I really liked it. It was like a gym. You know, I couldn't do this stuff on air, even though I lost radio station <laughs> licenses. Yeah. I could really go beyond those limits on stage. And at that time, there were two comedy clubs. There was uh, there was the Comedy Castle in Detroit, and then you could also travel and work at Zany's in downtown Chicago. And those were the only two clubs. And I was I was working I I, I was working with Jerry Seinfeld or Tim Allen. All these people, Sinbad, Emo Phillips, all these people were coming up, and I was working with them. One of the biggest shows we ever did was Mike Meyer, Dana Carvey, Ellen DeGeneres, and myself. We did wow. Grant Park in Chicago with 65,000 people. Amazing. And, wow. And if you went backwards, the one person that I really loved working with was Bill Hicks. And I worked a lot with Bill Hicks, and Bill Hicks really got his start with um, Sam Kennison. And Steve and Gary were great friends with Sam, and Sam would come to town and just get Steve Dahl in so much trouble. Oh my God! I because they those ran. Days. I mean, yeah. they they ran hard together. And yeah. So oh my God! Were, That's true. The, the trouble was after the show. Yeah, in some cases during the show and before the show. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Um, so, yeah, after the show, yeah, it was just mayhem. And I look at this woke, whatever this circus that we're in right now, how many people would just have literally seizures if they saw what we were doing on stage? And by the way, I wouldn't apologize to do anything I've ever done on mic or on stage at all. Well, let's talk about one of those things because you and I are, are currently working on this mini documentary about Ed Zeppelin, um, a band that Kev fronted as Eddie, which is a parody of WGN Overnight Man Eddie Schwartz. Yep. And, and the songs that you guys did uh, as Eddie – like Elgin Woman were funny. They were funny songs, but it was way more than that. It was like a hallucinogenic trip, and the band was amazing. Talk about yeah. the band and and how you decided to do some of those songs and what it was like going to uh, an Ed Zeppelin show. Well, <laughs> I you know again I had always loved music and performed music, especially when I was in high school. And I was, you know, I, I took guitar lessons, but I also, the people that were teaching me guitar and how to finger pick and, and whatnot. So I got a, an understanding of bluegrass, even though I didn't play banjo. Um, I didn't want to play banjo because Deliverance came out and scared the crap out of me. But I, I, I did love to learn how to finger pick guitar. And so I was always, I loved music. And then when I got into college, again, we broke music on the radio. Uh, and then eventually, when I got to Chicago and I just started working, I'd drive home and I'd listen to WGN and I'd listen to this. I thought there, there was a woman on the air. <laughs> and then Steve Dahl said, no, that's a 500-pound guy named Eddie. <laughs> and then I became infatuated with listening and I could, I could impersonate him. So he would talk like this, and and I would talk like and it, it was the exact match. And then, I, you know, Steve Dahl, he had the coho lips, and he had a band, and Johnny had a band. And I'm like, I, I didn't want to mimic them, but it's like, wait a minute, besides doing comedy and radio, I want to do music. And Eddie reminded me of Frank Zappa. When I listened to him, he reminded me of the song Muffin Man. <laughs> and I decided, you know what? I'm going to get a band and I'm going to have Eddie be the front man. And I want musicians that would be able to play with Frank Zappa and that caliber. 
So I got the best guitarist, Dave Yurick, who was like my Steve Vai. And then I we got uh, Greg Marsh, who was a phenomenal drummer. Brad Sturtz, who was on a great keyboard player, and he taught at the conservatory. Then Randy Riley on bass, and I got backup singers. And we were, I said, you guys, one of the first songs we learned was Peaches and Regalia by Frank Zappa. And the reason I wanted to do that is nobody was doing Frank Zappa. I mean, you had to be really good. And I said to the band, if we can't do it note for note perfect, then we I can't do this. And we did. And then what we ended up doing was I just made parodies like... Um, I, I would take the song uh, L.A. Woman and I changed it to Elgin Woman. Right. <laughs> and then I would take um, a song by The Who, I Can See for Miles, uh, I, uh, or Feed Me, you know, <laughs> all these, you know, See Me, Feel Me, you know, Feed Me, and or um, take a parody of John Lennon, you know, I could eat egg rolls forever. Let or strawberry fields. Let me take you down because I'm going to the Hokal Cafe because Eddie loved egg rolls from the Hokal Cafe in Chinatown. And I just wrote this beautiful song and we just nailed it. Then I told the people, so I am, I've got a band. We do comedy jams. And I'd have somebody like some local comics that I really, really loved. Um, Brian McCann, who was killing locally. And he went on to write for Conan O'Brien. And we'd get Jerry Seinfeld. So I would host and I'd bring out three great comics. We would take a break and then come back and close the show 45 minutes with Ed Zeppelin. So it was really great ticket price. And Kev Heads, you know, would drink. And I, I take a little break, but while I was on the air, let's say I was playing the Park West or the Vic Theater, I would tell people all week, you know, I'd say, whatever you do, don't take acid, don't <laughs> drop like hallucinogens. <laughs> no mushrooms. You know, right, which I wanted them to do <laughs> because we had such a great light show. <laughs> as well so i was doing what fish was doing before fish you know and so these people would come and i know that they were smoking their brains out with pot or drop an acid and then we would lay this music on them plus the lights and it was showtime it was just wonderful i love that you were you're a rock star you know your son talks about your son trev and i remember when Trev was born and, you you know, he'd be a pretty, I remember you talking about him quite a bit, but he's in a band. And talk to us a little bit about your project, Elevator A Go-Go. This is very yeah, interesting you know, stuff. You know, what was funny is because when Trev was growing up, we would have band practice at my house in the basement. And Trev was just, you know, fascinated, especially with the guitar. And he eventually ended up he was little and he ended up taking guitar lessons from uh, Dave Urich and now he's a very you know he's Trev's done everything on his own he's never needed me but he's a, a phenomenal uh, singer songwriter guitarist and um, I've always loved music so last year what I decided to do is I've been over in Michigan now for well over six years and the whole radio industry has obviously imploded. It right, killed yeah. itself. It cannibalized itself. And so um, a friend of mine is a really great photographer. He and his wife, Julie, they've got this building, a big building that was, it's over 100 years old. It's right across from Founders a Brewery here in Grand Rapids. And the building's over 100 years old, and they have this giant freight elevator. And I, I said to Bob, I said, you know, we should do something in this elevator and we should bring bands in here because I'm a big fan of Jam in the Van or Tiny Desk. You can hear on NPR uh, venues that bands come and perform. And so 
we got some really great bands to come and we videotaped them, recorded them in the elevator. I didn't know what to recall it. And I, I've always been a big fan of anything that has go-go to it. So I put <laughs> elevator and then I go go-go. So I said, okay, I'll get the domain name elevator a go-go. And it just works, you know, and we, we've, we, we've been alive for a year and this thing is just getting some legs on its own. I mean, we're, we're getting bands, uh, from like Nashville and New Orleans and I want to get them out of Chicago and all over America to come in and just showcase themselves. Um, and I don't care what genre of music it is and right now what i'm doing if people go if anybody knows of a musician i mean somebody who's original hasn't been signed yet you can go to elevatorofgogo.com and sign them up or you sign yourself up and we are starting in three states illinois um uh, Let's see, Illinois, Nashville, Tennessee, and and Louisiana. So New Orleans, Nashville, Chicago, and we're really some pretty good music for, cities there. Pardon me, <laughs> some pretty good music cities there. Well, that's where we wanted to start because we wanted to cut right through Middle America, and I have always had a love of Chicago just because of uh, its blues roots and chess records. Nashville, um, I've always loved Nashville, especially when Willie Nelson lived in it, yeah. before Nashville kicked him and Waylon and they came to Austin. And then New Orleans is, to me, is just the birth of really music. It's because of um, jazz and, and whatnot. So we're taking these three cities and, and if anybody knows of any musicians, just sign them up and we'll, we'll take a look at them. And then what we're going to do is get them in the elevator. And then we've got a big, big announcement and surprise oh. this fall. So this is worth, if you know somebody, to sign them up because this is going to be big. And we're not, this is not American Idol. This is not the voice. I'm looking for like who is the next in chicago who's the next billy corgan who's the next liz fair who's the next chicago who's the next um sting who's the next mark Knopfler? where are these people you know and there are so many people and they really do need support now because they're not getting the support they used to get on radio because radio is just right it's it's gone <laughs> You know, uh, we'll post the uh, we'll we'll post that address on our site too. But it's elevatorofgogo.com. Pretty yeah. easy to remember. Yep, because I'll have a lot of people send me a, a text and go, "Oh, you got to check out such and such." Well, no, we're not going to do that. They've got to actually get off their ass <laughs> and you know, and, and go. If this is important to you, if you want to move your musical career, just fill this out and then we'll take a look and man i've i really just today for example i heard this musician and i love it because i can't put this musician in a box hmm. genre wise you mean yeah i just they're unique they're they're so unique and i i love that you know i mean really when you go back in time and start with Elvis, you know, and Elvis was influenced by some incredible musicians in Mississippi and, and Beale Street and whatnot. So Elvis, he really used a lot of people's acts to get started. But let's just take Elvis was a big hit. And then what replaced Elvis? The Beatles. And then the Beatles, what came along was, you know, the 60s and somebody like a Jimi Hendrix. And then all of a sudden there was classic rock. And then here comes the Sex Pistols and here comes New Wave, you know, the Ramones and Nirvana. 
and then Amy Winehouse. You know what I mean? It's yeah. these 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 shifts. That's what I want to find the next musical shift. Well, that sounds exciting. It really yeah. does. Before we continue any further with Minutia Men Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're back. Uh, you know, we, we talked about radio, and yes, uh, I think we can all agree that radio is dying if it's not if it's not already dead. Uh, but recently, I found a tape of myself interviewing you. I, I, sh- I sent it to you, uh, interviewing Jim Shorts live on the loop, I think from like 92 or 93. And we'll play a little clip of that at the end of the show just to ha- so people can hear it. But the thing that's memorable to me about that tape, it, it, it just reminded me that in those days, you would not allow me to appear on your show, and I was there every single day, unless I spoke in German on the air. Right, right. And, and then, I, and what's interesting is this audio tape, I thought, you know, it, how creative it was that Jim Shorts, a character I did, yeah. insisted that you would, you would, Jim would I, I, you answered in German and knowing people driving around Chicago, they don't know German, but it was so bizarre. It was genius. You know what I'm saying? And it really I think was be, what I loved about what we did at the loop is we let people think, yeah. you know, they used their minds as opposed to today where it's becoming so Orwellian where everybody has to think the same and it's just vomit the, today. The, the the funny thing about it was that you didn't speak german obviously but no. the character jim shorts did yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean and, and you had these characters who had their own characters and right, there exactly. was always there was never a, a, just a throwaway thing everything had there was always so many layers to this. How did you right. come up with a show like that in the first place? You know, I honestly, growing up as a kid, I just knew that if I made my dad laugh, he wasn't beating me. <laughs> so, I, so I just, that was the mentality. Even when I started doing stand-up, you know, it was quarter beer night. You had three minutes. It was the Roman Coliseum. If right. you didn't, they would kill you on stage. <laughs> Seriously. I and know. I learned to be really aggressive on stage with my thoughts and comedy. And, um, yeah, because what I loved about it, when Jim Shorts decided he was going to start doing characters, and then a character of a character <laughs> would do a character. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That was awesome. It was. And your parents would call in and they were characters. Yeah. So, you know, it was yeah. just and, amazing. And my mom and dad were so, in my, in my family, really, when I look at it, I would say to my dad, okay, say that a neighbor kid stabbed you <laughs> and start crying. And then I would just, I would put him on hold. And then, you know, dad, what happened? And, and of course, that was Jim's parents. Right. Jim would go, so, mom, dad, dad, what happened? That kid, would he stabbed you? How many times, that little son of a bitch? Call the police. <laughs> and they would cry, and it was just greater. You know, I would say to my mom, okay, mom, say that you accidentally ate some bleach and you were making pancakes. I would put her on hold, Jim, mom, you poisoned yourself again? <laughs> You know, it's just my parents bizarre. would never how in a million you, years yeah. have gone along with that. Yeah, yeah. how could you, you blessed you know, with a couple of great Dan Ryan in a traffic jam? How do you tune out of this? <laughs> You're right. That is so true. <laughs> oh my God. That's what I love. That's that's yeah. absolutely what I love. You know, one of the cool things, and I still stay in touch with Larry Wirt, who really was the general manager. I was hired by Jimmy DeCastro. Then Jimmy left and went and started up a radio uh, station in the beat in California. So Larry inherited this asylum and Larry, I just talked to Larry a week ago. He's putting together a loop documentary yeah. that I think he's editing right now and adding more to it. But somebody saw the trailer and said that it was just brilliant. And what I love about it, it's right up there with The Last Dance with uh, Phil Jackson and Jordan. And the reason I say I put the bar that high, I, I'm not trying to be conceited, 
but what was happening when the loop was on was culturally what was going on with it. You had Michael Jordan, the Bulls. You had Mort Downey. You had Oprah. She's new. You had Jerry Springer. You had so much culturally happening. Second City, you had Chris Farley. You had all this perfect storm happening in Chicago. And Larry really has given, he's really gotten a hold of some folks that have really been influenced by the loop and what the loop harnessed, like uh, Odencourt, uh, you know, what, how Disco Demolition and Steve Dahl, how, you know, Bob was really impressed while he's growing up in Naperville or, you know, the folks from, it, it's just amazing who he's getting to go, yeah, we grew up with that station, you know, and th and that's one of the things, you know, you guys would say, you know, I, I was working, we all grew up together, we were yeah. dating, we were having kids, we were going to school, or we were becoming cops, or plumbers, or doctors, we all, we did everything together, it, we weren't, you know, I, I, some of my best friends today are from the audience. Yeah, I, b I believe it. Uh, and it, you know, we you talk about things happening culturally, like the the bears, right? Yeah. I mean, oh my god! Those yeah, guys, I mean, they were all was, part of the show, weren't they? <clears throat> yeah, I got. I was talking to Larry Wirt, like I said last week. We went up to when they were up in uh, Wisconsin. We went up to Platteville, and I took, and all these kevheads came up. I had guys in wedding dresses hitting the sleds, and it was mayhem. Ditka came over because I'm, I'm such good friends with, you know, with everybody that was there. McMichael, McMahon, Kevin Butler, Tom Thayer. Ditka came over to me and said, get your ass out of Wisconsin. <laughs> and he gave us, he just said, the pack field. it up. Pack it up now or else I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And this is on the air. <laughs> and then he, never again. <laughs> and I, we've become close. I mean, I love Mike, but, you know, it was a circus. It was an absolute circus. I got, we had outings, golf outings for children's charities. I got kicked out of 10 golf courses in 10 years. <laughs> I was at a few of those golf outings. Yeah. I remember them well. The well, first did, golf outing they, we did was at Larry Wirtz Country Club. Oh. And it was for the Brittle Bone Foundation. We raised $200,000 that day. Mm. But by the time we paid for the damages on the course and the liquor bill, we gave the Brittle Bone Foundation $1,200. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Think of that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, didn't they didn't they duct tape you to a yeah. chair and roll you down Michigan Avenue? Well, I, we were yeah, I we broadcast from the Hancock building one one afternoon. I, I, I don't know what I was doing in the afternoon. I must have been filling in for Steve and Gary. And Thayer and Steve McMichael and uh, Kevin Butler came in and they had their wives, and Steve McMichael and Thayer just duct taped me to a chair. Then Steve McMichael took a knife and cut all my clothes off, and then the girls put lipstick all over my head. And, you know, this is on the radio. The mics are open. And then they wheeled me down and put me at, what is it, Chestnut and Michigan Avenue at about 5 o'clock on a Friday and just left me there. Oh, my God. It was awesome. And I, I, to this day, they were hitting me in the in the arm, you know, and like Mongo is really hit me, and then Thayer would hit me, and I would say to Tom, "Boy, the defense sure can hit a lot harder than the offense." Oh and I mean, and he would just wind up, and they've all got Super Bowl rings on, and they're just beating the piss out of me. Uh, I think it's I think it's safe to say we're not going to see that kind of radio again. I think it's safe to Bill, say. Can you imagine with the woke little turds out there, they would just <laughs> cripple and fall down and get in a little fetal position. No, that's when they're the radio in a fetal position down. right now hearing you call them woke little turds. Yeah, woke yeah. little whatever. Before we continue any further with Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. 
We'll be right back. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. On Aunt Friends, Prince Philip died. Yay! Again! Yay! We talk about Chitty Chitty Gang Bang. Yay! And forks. No! Wait, why? Spoons. Oh! <laughs> Listen to Aunt Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Yay! I'm Rick Kemper. I'm Adam Howard. And we're the co-hosts of Free Kicks, a show about internet and particularly English Premier League soccer. On an all-new free kicks. The Battle of Jose versus Oli. Plus my favorite feature, guess the Premier League star. Listen to free kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. And because it's football, try doing it without using your hands. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On Back to You, we're going to find out if Steve and I are couth or uncouth. That is the question. (laughs) It's very uncouth to giggle at that. That's on Back to You. Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. We're back. Before we let you go, I want want to tell you two, two little stories that I remember from our days together. And one is uh, you were doing a comedy jam in Grand Rapids and uh, the performers, the, the, the comics that were on the bill with you were Anthony Griffin and uh, Mike Toomey. Okay. Yeah. And it was my job to take them and drive them to Grand Rapids because they're both lived in Chicago. <clears throat> well, I only had a, a, like an 87 Honda Civic both of those guys are really tall guys, and like Mike Toomey was eating his knees all the way up to uh, all the right. way to Grand Rapids, and I see him occasionally because he's on WGN TV here oh, on the yeah. morning show, yeah. and every time I see him, that story comes up. He just remembers. Let's just say they weren't thrilled with their accommodations on that ride. Then the second story, and I've, I think I might have told you this one before, is one of my jobs uh, for your stand-up act was to rent the chainsaw that you used because uh, you <laughs> used to ram a chainsaw up your crotch in the middle of right. your stand-up bag. Yeah, and, and people didn't know that. It, yeah, it was a real chainsaw. It was a real chainsaw, but I would have to get it without the the chain, obviously, on there, so it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't actually cut anything off. Right. But the funny thing was going up to these uh, rental shops, and I went up to this place uh, on Rand Road out here, and I said, I'd like to rent a chainsaw with no chain, please. And, you know, they everyone looked at each other like, okay, weirdo. And the third time I came in, they finally asked me, what in the world are you doing with a chainsaw with no chain? I told them it was for you. And after that, it was free because they that? were huge fans of the show. They loved it so much. You know, and to set that bit up, like if I, we were working um, a club, the Victor, we we're doing a comedy jam. I would come out and and start the chainsaw, and it was gas operated, so it smelled, and you could smell the gas and oil. People can't see there's no chain on it, and they're not gonna question it. And then all of a sudden, I'm holding it up by my throat, and and I can remember I, I, I put fresh red paint on the chain bar, so when I put it up by my throat, it would leave a red mark. Like I got really close, right? And now people are going, hell, maybe it is real. And then I would drive it into my crotch and just start screaming and yelling and screaming and yelling. And then I would turn it off. And then I'd go, so how are you doing? You know? and, and then I would get on with my act and about, 20 minutes later I'd go I'd start feeling my crotch and I'd go man and then I would drop my pants and before what I ended up doing before I went on stage is I had somebody spray paint me like in my crotch and every stomach and chest red bright red paint so it looked like an artery splatter (laughs) I would drop my pants then it would get a second wave from the great chainsaw bit and i'd go oh i'm okay i gotta finish the show only a pussy would end right now <laughs> right you know it was just good times you know and it, i loved it 
Well, I think uh, think that's a good story to end this interview on. Kevin, this has been a a pleasure. Uh, This has been awesome. You know how much I enjoyed working with you back in the day. And and every time I talk to somebody about The Loop, your show is the first one that is mentioned because it it was such a unique and different experience for the listeners. And and they're never going to forget you. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's because of the audience. And like I said, I never, I always loved the audience. I, my rule was never get above the audience, you know, and just, we did everything together. We partied together. We drank together. We had kids. Like I said, we just did and to this day. And then all of a sudden, you know, Rick, people are having kids and they, there's a second generation of Kev heads. Yeah, that's right. You know, and it, what's what I love about it is as we do this Ed Zeppelin documentary, I want to ask Chicago, do you, did you take any pictures? Because we're unearthing pictures and photographs and video, and it's and we got all the band, the original band, back together. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, if you have any pictures, please send them to me because I'm, I'm putting it together on my end here. And actually, you mentioned second generation Kevheads. Uh, I'm being assisted by my son, Tommy, who got his degree at Columbia College and is a video editor and is very talented. So Excellent. we're a team. There you go. And, and he's that's, free. That's, and he's free, right, Rick? <laughs> and the price that, is that right. That is so cool, though, you know, that. And especially when you're working on fun projects. Right. You know. Well, thanks. Thanks for thanks for being on the show, Kev. I'm sure we'll be talking uh, in in the uh, weeks to come. Uh, But uh, I just wanted to get you on the show and thank you for your many years of entertainment. Thank you so much. And folks, if you know of a musician, male, female, I don't care what genre, please go to elevatorgogo.com and sign them up so we can officially take a look at them. Thanks, Kev. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Be well, buddy. Thank you. God bless you guys. Jim, what are you doing? There is a German newspaper report. Is this the German version? Sieben am Morgen Der die Dunkelheit bricht Macht alle Sorgen The German boy at his newspaper. What's it called? A loop scoop heist is And Jim, you're bi. Right. I am bi. I know both German and English. Das ist Musik. Yeah, Jim. Well, it is good, isn't it? Uh, All right. Go ahead. Wreck the German boy for loops. Das loop scoop. Das loop scoop. Yeah, this is richtig. Das go. Das go. Jim, to ask Willis. Can I change the music here? Ah, yeah, bitte. You're listening. Yeah, it's very touching, isn't it? Go ahead, first question, Rick the German boy. Uh, Jim, zuerst will ich etwas wissen. Dein Vater nennt dich Richard manchmal. Abends werden Bilder wach. Is that I'm sorry, I was listening to this beautiful song. Ah, das ist Musik. Natürlich. Ein Schatten in der Tür. Zuerst will ich etwas wissen. Dein Vater nennt dich Richard manchmal. Ist das deine echte Name? Oft wie Gespenster morgens, wenn der Tag beginnt. I can't answer that. No comment. Okay, okay. Now, is there any way could you... Aus einem Radio Und schon träum ich wieder We don't know what he's saying. Oh, Rick the German boy? You go ahead and ask the question again, Rick, and then through telepathic communication, I will let the listeners at home know what you are saying. Go ahead, just say it slowly. Zuerst will ich etwas wissen. Just out of curiosity... Dein Vater nennt dich Richard manchmal. I've noticed your father keeps calling you blank. <laughs> Is das deine echte Name? Is that your real name? 
Or is he just going a little senile? I don't want to answer that. Okay. How do we know you know what you're doing? Just get a German person on the phone. Okay, now question number two. Die Wendy und die Dorothy haben bestimmt rote Bobohe. All right, try it again and let me think about it and I will throw. Throw. Okay, I'm thinking. I'm... Go ahead, what? Die Wendy und die Dorothy haben bestimmt rote Bobohe. What's the deal with your constant switching of Wendy and Dorothy? Are you getting a glimpse of your home life with Wang? No. Nine. Nine. Nine? No, basically, I think anyone, male or female, ought to be ruled with an iron fist. Danke, Herr G. Nice horse whip. Question number three. Number three. Hoppa, hoppa, reiter, wenn der fällt, dann schreit er. Well, slow down for those at home. Let me throw this telepathically to our listeners at home. Hoppa, hoppa, reiter. Right. Wenn Speaking of Wang. Wenn der fällt, dann schreit er. A recent poll of our listeners showed that less than 10% actually believe you and Wang are just good friends. Falte in den Graben, fressen in den Raben. When are you going to get off your high horse and admit it? Pass auf, We are just good friends. Yeah? Right. Aber die, uh, die Leute glauben das nicht, Herr Jim. When are you going to get off your high horse and admit it? Marry the girl. It is very hard. Let me take Very hard to corral a stallion. Yeah, that's just wahr. Nummer vier. Okay, question number four. Jeder Vater ist stolz. Tell us about your pride and joy, Lugar. Ich glaube, dass deinen Vater, Herr Jim Shorts, ist auch stolz. Every proud papa has a cute story about their little ones. Tell us one about Lugar. Oh, I remember the first time we ever clapped our hands and he just did his first little backflip. Ich weine jetzt. Das ist ein schöner Gedicht. That's a beautiful story. I wish I could have. Ja, I'm not gonna say. Das ist gut genug. Gut What genug. Was, he was, war, was, hat, was hat er gesagt? I wish I was an impotent. Na ja, das ist right. wirklich, wirklich, wirklich wahr. Nummer 5. Sorry, Rick, the German boy. Das ist okay. Didn't mean to bring that up. <laughs> He can't. You might as well. <laughs> number five. Shut up. Question <laughs> number five. Jim, ich habe mein liebsten Lieder mit mir gebrungen. Ich Jim, your fans want you to sing some more. Yeah. I've brought, yes, I've brought in some of your favorite songs to sing. Yeah, bitte sing dein liebsten Lied für uns, Jim. If you would sing along with them. If not, can you explain why you don't sing to us anymore? Well, I am putting a band together for summer festivals. It's called Jimmy Shorts, at, well, Jim Shorts, or James Shorts. It's a formal. It will be Jim Shorts and the Melody Makers. And if you're a senior citizen in a rest home, write us. If you can, or have a nurse, and we'd like to come and play for you folks. Sing for uns jetzt. Right. Well, sing, I don't have time, and I'm not a monkey. Aber dein Kind Luger ist dein... Nah. No, no, don't. Luger is... Some say Luger is a primate. Nein. Das Testicles. Das Wap. Yeah. Das Wap. Yeah. Das Wap. Yeah. Nummer six. Zuletzt ein philosophischen Frage. Question number six. Finally, a philosophical question. Ein Genie ist plötzlich da. A Genie suddenly appears on your doorstep and grants you... Er sagt, Jim, du bekommst drei Wünsche. Three wishes. Irgendetwas in den ganzen Welt. Drei Dinger. Anything. Drei Dinger. Drei Dinger. That's what I thought he said. Drei Dinger. Anything in the world can be yours. What would you ask for? Dry dinger. Um, 
Great thanks. Any world peace. Johnny Red Car, no hip. And uh, a nicer apartment for my family. Danke, Herr Short, danke. Jede einzelne Sekunde schrieb die Zeit mir ins Gesicht. Ich bereue keine Stunde, doch zurückgehen. zurückgehen. Hello, this is Dieter from Sprockets, and you are listening to Kevin Matthews on The Loop, AM 1000. This promo has become tiresome. What are you, Goofy? Touch my monkey. Love it. Lieber mein Abschminke. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows. Com. Distributed by Ed Silla from the Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we will be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? The Stick to Everything podcast with Larry Hawley and Paul M. Banks. And during this program, we will stick to everything and avoid nothing as we try to inform you on topics of news, sports, pop culture, maybe even beverages. Most importantly, we hope you have a good laugh, a good cry, and maybe also even learn something while you're here. That would be a good episode. Listen to Stick to Everything on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Radio Misfits. I'm Rick Kempfer. And I'm Dave Stern. And we're the hosts of Minutia Men. And we talk about offbeat things like Prince Philip's death. The last joke that Abraham Lincoln ever heard. I apply for baseball commissioner. Having fun with Nigel Farage. And we listen to Rick talk about birds. All that in unlimited tangents on Minutia Men. Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.